God is good. Today is December the 14th, 2011. The title of this message is Don't Be a Jolly Rancher. <laughs> now, we're going to talk about the big picture tonight. We're going to talk about the American church, where it is. One thing I want to show you is something here. I'm going to take this pen. I'm going to make a little spot over here on the wall. Okay? Can everybody see that spot? You know, you might not be able to see that spot on the wall because the way you sit. You may not be able to see that spot on the wall because you're sitting in a storefront church in Sugarland. Well, maybe you might not be able to see it if you were sitting in the state of Texas or in the United States. Now, you can tell I'm zooming out. What if you were in uh, somewhere on the earth? Thank you. You can't see that spot because you are sitting on the edge, on the threshold of eternity. And all of this wall represents eternity. And that one spot that you can't see from where you are is your life in eternity. You starting to get a big picture? So why is it that every decision we make, every priority we set, is based on that one spot. And the church today, I'm talking about the American church. And I'm not talking about this congregation, this little building. I'm talking about every person in the United States that calls himself a Christian in the American church. <clears throat> it lets you down. All the elders. All of the leadership had just uh, headed all of us in that direction that we all we can see is what the one is in that little spot. And eternity, and we, we're not having the big picture. I'm straightening this out. You know, the American dream, the American dream was to have a family. A good job, a house paid for eventually, <laughs> a good car, and live a good life. Now, you know, <clears throat> that American dream is not bad if our priorities are right. And the priorities are in the Word of God. And I'm not going to read a lot of scripture tonight. I'm going to use, talk about some verses and talk to we're talking about the life of some people in the Bible. The priorities are to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And then all of this will be added to you. Amen. That's the American dream. Mm -hmm. So it, it depends on setting our priorities right. Mm -hmm. It takes time for us to sit back sometime and look at the picture. 
And when we do, we see God and we lose focus. Because the problem says, I mean, the, the word says that if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, he'll give you these things too. Right? Because he knows what you need before you ask. Now, sometimes, am I preaching a prosperity message? You know, I did that last time. <laughs> but, no, it's that. God's going to give you everything you need, not everything you want. Right? But that's what the, the American dream used to be. And that American dream was based on uh, good morals, uh, good, great character, and hard work. The people that came here and, and, and sought after this American dream, <clears throat> were very hard workers, and they would work and do anything it took to accomplish these things. But the American dream seems to have changed. The American dream today seems to be, get all you can for somebody else to pay for. <laughs> and work just hard enough to get by. You know what's the sad thing? That's getting in the church. That's in the church today. Preachers are cashed in on. It sets the stage for the great escape that somebody else paid for. It sets the stage to get all you want is for the prosperity that we find. You know, Our leadership here at this church is to direct you in the path that you should go and prepare you for the outside of that spirit. Right? You know, <clears throat> Charlie, I'm going to scoot your mic over just a bit. That's all right. No, it's just pointing in the wrong it's my fault, I should. I need all the help from you. Oh, that's good. Lady. All right. We want to hear every word. Can you hear? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm talking about leadership of the church. I'm talking about the, the big picture. The big, the, the leadership and the director of the church has let us down. It set us up to fail. Turn our priorities and our uh, direction toward that spirit of world. Now, I told you the title of this story is The Jolly Rancher. Don't be a Jolly Rancher. <clears throat> How many people in here can remember or have seen a TV series called Bonanza? <laughs> Well, oh, I'm surprised. I'm afraid. Brother Eric talked about his dad, yeah, we had a lot of drama. About he, he really loved Westerns. And I grew up in that area, too. And Bonanza, for those of you that don't know or never heard of it, is that 
It was a, a series of Western back in the 60s that actually went on. What? That's why he whistled at that. <laughs> back in the 60s, but it actually played for over 11 years. It's a, and still play reruns today as a family channel. But there's one episode that I'm going to talk about. But the actors in that was a man called Ben and his three sons, Adam, Hoss, Hoss. and uh, Joseph. Let's go. Now, the, the mother evidently passed away before the start of the episode because that's before my time. <clears throat> Believe that. But these guys had a, a working ranch somewhere in Montana. And uh, they were well-liked in the community. And a friend of the family, his wife had passed away, and he had a son that was about 11 years old. And uh, the, the guy, the man, he had to go out and travel out of town because of whatever, his work or something. <clears throat> so he went to the Cartwright family and asked him if his son could stay with him while he was gone. Um, <clears throat> oh, sure, sure, no problem. So he was going to be back in a month or two. Anybody drop a kid off at your house? Well, if you had a ranch and <laughs> thousands of acres, you probably wouldn't mind. So <clears throat> this, this little guy, horse, took, he took a liking, this little guy took a liking to horse cart life. Now, if I had to, uh, to tell you who Hoss Cartwright would resemble, it would be uh, Coach. Yeah. Coach. Yeah. Except he had a lot bigger head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big guy. But he had a big heart. Hoss had a big heart and he was real uh, naive and people would take advantage of him sometimes. But, but uh, he played a good part. So Hoss took this little guy and he started, he was going to have fun with him, you know. I mean, he taught the little guy how to ride the horse and saddle the horse and throw a rope. And he took him out and shot the gun and all this stuff. And he's teaching him all this stuff. Well, it went on before horse knew it. The two months were over with and the boy's dad was back. And those of you that don't know anything about Westerns, everybody's dad they call Paul. And everybody's mother is Mark. Right. So the boy's Paul came back and uh, he went to pick his son up at the court like that. Uh, the little guy said, oh no, Paul. He said, I like it here. I want to stay here. He said, Hoss is teaching me how to be a rancher. He said, I, I, I want to stay here. And the guy got, oh man, he was crushed. His son didn't want to go with him. He was mad at Hoss for doing this. All this and so the guy left, and the little guy stayed there a little longer. And Hoss came to a conclusion. And this is where I'm going. Hoss came to the conclusion, he said. He told his, his part, Ben. He said, I've been teaching him a whole fun thing about branch. He said, he said, I never taught him the things that, that the hard things you have to do. The work that's involved. He said, I haven't been fair to the kid. 
He started showing them what it, what it was like to clean out the stall. <laughs> he started uh, showing them and he started mending fences and started working. He'd come in and dog tired a little more would be. Well, here it was in the springtime and it was uh, roundup time. And this is the time of year we round up all the calves, all of the young calves. And they would... Uh, Put all the cattle in the corral and uh, brand the calves and vaccinate them. So here they were with a calf that horse was sitting on his neck, holding it down. And he told that little guy, a little fella, go over and grab me that branding iron out of that farm. He said, Bring it over here. We're going to brand this calf. So the little guy went over there. And got the brand and iron and he run back over the horse and he handed it to the horse. horse said, no, no, no. You gotta do it. You have to do it. He said, Well, pa, well, well, well horse, it's, it's gonna hurt him. Yeah, but it's only gonna be for a little while. It's good for him. Maybe I'll go ahead. He said, no. He said, I can't do that. It's gonna hurt him. He said, son, you got to do it. You got to learn how to do the hard things too. He said, no, horse, and he threw the iron down, and he ran back. He said, I'm going back with my pop. That's what the church has done. That's what the church has done to the Christians today, the American church. You know, this, this episode was probably first time played about 45 years ago. It made an impression on me. Why? Because it made me mad. You see, <clears throat> I was raised on a working farm. And I knew the big picture. You know, I knew that if we branded that cat, it would protect it from the things that come. If you wind it off in someone else's field, they'd know right off who you know. And vaccinated, you know, that, that, that hurt for a while, but it helped him against the, the elements and disease. <clears throat> and uh, I worked on a, on a phone to see, and got to see the big picture. I know that chickens don't lay eggs in a little where things <laughs> <laughs> I know that cows don't take the milk and put it in the refrigerator. <laughs> Stamp it, good till December. <laughs> but don't do that. You know, the big picture. <clears throat> so, you get the picture of where the little guy was at? I mean, I remember times when when we would round up the cattle, and it rained for a week before, and you take 80 or 100 head of cattle and put them in one, one pen that they stomp the mud just ankle deep, and uh, everybody's mad. The cattle are mad because they're blowing, because they can't find the calf. The calves are mad because horses are sitting on their neck. <clears throat> But this is good for you. It's good for you. You know, 
We had a tendency to do that too. Um, the leadership of this church wants you to be home. And we want to help you get there. You know, I was in El Pato with my son's wedding. And I listened to a sermon of the book, The Path. And uh, he said a profound thing. He said, I, I have children. He said, but I don't want my kids to be happy. I want them to be holy. Amen. <laughs> and you know if you're holy, if you've got your priorities right, away from that speck on the wall, if you've got your priorities right, and you put, seek you first the kingdom of God and all this righteousness, and you're close enough to God, you have the joy of the Lord, and the joy of the Lord is your what? Strength. Amen. Well, you know, sometimes um, it takes some staring up. Now, you know, this is a coat. Everybody likes coat. I drank one every now and then. Now, if you don't know it, if you know it or not, if you're not stared up for God, the devil don't even know your name. You know, we see that in the sons of seven sons of Cephas. They tried to cast out a demon. In the name of Jesus, who Paul preached, and the demon said, oh, 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 oh. Paul, I know, but who in the world? <laughs> so, if this was the church, it's in a pretty package. <laughs> <laughs> What's inside of it is good. But are you scared of that cup? Yeah, are you scared of that cup? <laughs> Let me rephrase it. <laughs> <laughs> are you scared of that cup? <laughs> <clears throat> That's what the church needs. If we know it or not. Everything about ranching is not fun. Everything about being a Christian might not be funny or what. I don't remember anything. Whoo! Thinking about being the way I was brought up on that phone. All I think about is good. All I remember, right? Right? Because we look at the big picture. Now you, church members have a tendency to be like that cat. They got Cody sitting on the neck. <laughs> All around coming up there with a hot iron going to burn your butt about something. <laughs> and I can guarantee you that the pastor's going to be sticking a needle in. Right? <clears throat> but God is good. Amen. <clears throat> He'll stir you up. Now, the church as a whole, I mentioned, has let us down because of our teaching. In my line of work, and I'm doing all right with the time. In my line of work, the uh, I'm a plan a schedule. Okay. 
And when you plan something, first of all, we start off with a, a summary level schedule. We have a start milestone and a finish milestone for each summary on that schedule. <clears throat> now, if that's all we had was a summary schedule, well, probably it would be a lot of chaos during the construction of whatever work. Give you a for instance. If I was building a house, a start milestone would be ground preparation. After the ground was uh, prepared, the lane cleared off, then I would have a finished milestone and I would start uh, foundation. And right on until we got the house built. Well, <clears throat> the church has been teaching and preaching on that summary level. I'm going to get to that, what we're talking about. It's teaching the milestones. Let's take, now what I'm going to do here, I'm going to talk about three guys out of the Bible, and I'm going to mention a milestone. I'm going to say that's a milestone. And if you take notes, good. If you don't, I'd, I'd, I'd ask that you Write down, at least write down what milestone I'm talking about. Because when I'm all done, I'm going to give you some homework to go home. Amen? Now, if that's not fair, I want you to concentrate on this dot over there. The first guy I'm going to talk about is Moses. Now, Moses had a start milestone, and that was. When he was born, he was put in a basket and a, in, a, in, in the water. And a princess rescued him out. He was raised in the palace. That's where he started. All right? You can remember that. Because that was a victorious time. He was bad from death. You know? He got to live in the palace. Jolly Ranger. Um, the next milestone was you can remember about Moses help me out here God talked to him in a burning bush right? you can remember that you can, you can probably get that answer from most well a lot of Christians across this country because they were taught that that's another victory Milestone. Another milestone in Moses' life was that God delivered him, God used him to deliver the plagues in Egypt. You can remember that because that's another victory. And right now we're summarizing his whole life. And that's what, you, what you've been hearing from the church and things been taught today. Not this church, not this congregation. We won't let you get off that easy. Another milestone was that he parted, God using to part the Red Sea and deliver his people. Now some, some Christians may remember um, the desert for 40 years and that uh, 
God fed them in the desert for 40 years. But there's a lot of Christians that, that don't know that because that's not the victorious milestone. You see, if we only teach the milestones at a summary level, it's hard for you and I to relate to these guys. Okay? You know, I mean, how many times have you witnessed to somebody and you said, well, God delivered Moses out of that? You said, well, well, it was Moses. I'm not. I can't relate. I'm not that God. But when you study the detailed activities in each of their lives and how they got to that point, then you can relate to, oh, that was a guy just like me. Uh, started to say he put his pants on one leg at a time but, they <laughs> but he was a man just like me he made mistakes okay Moses was a this is another sermon for another time but Moses was a a, a born leader and a born leader has to always be doing something you can't just let, sit around and let nothing happen. Moses knew that God called him out. Moses knew that God was going to use him to deliver his people from slavery. And he wasn't waiting on God. But you know, God in his mercy, <clears throat> he can't use a born leader until he makes him a servant. Paul was a born leader. He was one. He, he was going to do something for God if he killed all the Christians. Yeah. <laughs> but God couldn't use him until he made him a servant. <clears throat> so there's a lot we can relate to if we read and study the detailed activities. The next guy I want to talk about is David. Now, David is a guy, you know, just his name, King David, intimidates most of us. How can I relate to this guy? If all you knew was the milestone, if all you were taught about David, first milestone you think about was he killed a giant. Hello. How many of you got a head like that? <laughs> <clears throat> okay? But the activities in his life that led up to that point <coughs> is what we relate to. It's what we need to teach and to be taught in the church. Things like, you know, David was the only one of his brothers that wasn't consecrated, wasn't prepared to meet the prophet and come into the presence of God. He was the only one. Jesse, he was so proud of the other boys. They looked good. They looked like that coat. But David was shook up. David came there stirred up. He came there consecrated by God and not by man. And you know I talked about a born leader. David didn't have that power. David was a born servant. Amen. These are the things 
that we have to study. These are the details that we have to study. <clears throat> you know, we God wants us to be in a place where we are not just reading and preaching, but we are living the Word of God and the testimony in our lives. Amen. God wants you. Now think about this. He wants you to be able to tell somebody that you're witnessing to. Now look, I know you don't know how to do that, but watch me. Look at me. What I do, you do. You follow me. And that's the kind of example God not only wants you to be, but expects you to be. But listen, this is the thing. They already are watching you. You already are part of people's lives. You know, if you know it or not, you are more than likely a sponsor or a shining star. You don't look at yourself like that, do you? You concentrate and set your priorities out of the outside of that space. It would make it a lot easier to look at yourself like that. But God <clears throat> wants to stir us up and use us in a way to be an example. Well, let me tell you something. About a, it's been years ago now. I was working in, uh, I don't think I told it here yet. I was working in, in, uh, <laughs> I hadn't preached that many times, so if I tell them again, um, in, in Deer Park. And uh, I was working up here, with, I was up here for about four months, working 410, so I rented an apartment. And this was before I had a cell phone, so I had a, Phone put in my apartment, okay. And uh, I would go home on the weekend, you know, and I would uh, go back four days a week. Well, one week, Joellen came up with me, <clears throat> and I had a friend, still, still a friend, a young guy who I kind of brought into the industry. And he was always calling me and checking on me, doing something about something. And so he called my apartment, and a woman answered. Yeah. <laughs> it was Joelle. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> and uh, she said, he said, oh, oh, I almost had the wrong number. You know? So he called back. And uh, she answered again. I wasn't there, I was at a store somewhere or something. And uh, he started to hang up, and she said, Steve? He said, yeah? He said, this is Joellen. She said, oh, oh, good. <laughs> Thank goodness, I thought my whole world came in. <laughs> he said, because if Charlie Brown can't make it, there's no hope for me. <laughs> and you got people that are lost. You got neighbors that may not even know your name, but they're watching you and your family. And we want you to see the big picture outside of that speck on the wall. Amen? Yeah. 
I'm trying to get to know. You do a time, but I, I think you get the picture. I want to go ahead to a, a dream or a vision or whatever I want you want to call it that I had some 18 years ago. And the title of it is, Oh God, Where is the Church? You know the sad thing? Church is worse shape now than it was 20 years ago. As a whole. Pretty sad. But in this vision, it tells you, tells us, well, I'm going to read. And it's going to talk about our part and what the church is supposed to look like. On the third day of the ninth month in 1993, in the land of the USA, I cried out to God, where is the church? In this day of calamity, the day of our brothers in need, I cried, oh God, where is the church? But I heard him say nothing. I sought out after her, and not so very far away did I find the church. She was still, without movement, almost as though she had no breath. I called out to her, and she moved on. As I moved closer to look at her, I saw that she was clothed with a very old garment. I could also see that there were life in her, but very little. Again, I called out to her, I said, arise. The Lord has need of you. She raised up her head only for a moment to say, Why does the Lord have need of me? Is he not the Almighty, the All-Powerful? And surely he will come and bring us out of, into the land of Canaan, into our promised land. With this she laid back down her head to slumber. For she had laid so comfortably upon a bed of tradition and religion that she had ground herself deep into. She locked out all who beckoned her to move, yes, even the Lord. Then suddenly at a distance, I could see a small arm. It almost seemed to come from nowhere. I watched it draw closer and closer. And as it moved, it looked to grow in size and in strength. And in its hand, it held a sword. The sword was long and sharp on two sides. It edged, sparkled in the, in the sunlight, for it appeared to have been freshly honed. The middle was thick for strength, and its handle was molded to fit the hand perfectly. The hand gripped the sword very tightly and did not seem to tire or weary as it held the sword high. I looked even closer and I saw that the arm was not one, but was many members. Each member 
fit together without space between one another. Yes, tightly, for it seemed that each member had been carefully molded to fit the own. I looked back at the church in her slumber and I called out to her once more. For the Lord would have you to rise up, take your sword, go up and take the land of Canaan. At this she turned to me in anger and said, Go away! There's much pestilence and many giants in this land and we are as grasshoppers in this side. Surely the Lord, she said, will bring us into the promised land. At this, she laid her head back down. Now then the winds and the rains came. Even the heavy storm blew against her, and she looked up. Then many people turned against her and said, Where is your strength? Even the government and the land came and did make laws against her. And she rose not. She was likened to the Hebrews who God brought out of Egypt, even though God had delivered them through every hard place. They trusted him not. As they chose not to do the will of God, fear came upon them. And they took and they looked at circumstances that surround them. And not being busy about doing the work of the Lord, they found much time to murmur and to talk against the word of God. They even sought after that which was pleasing to man, and not God. At this, it was then that I heard a shout. I ran to see, for the arm had begun to move. And as the arm moved, it drew me closer. For I found myself in front of it, dancing and shouting praises unto God as we moved. Yes, faster and faster did we move. And stronger and stronger did the arm grow. Many people came unto the arm as it moved. As the arm grew in size and strength, I could see its members were the people that came, out, came unto it. Still, I could see the church a little way off. The church had members, as did the arm. But they seemed to fit very loosely. Some of her members were truly alive. They sought after God, but had no direction and no purpose. As the Levites, yes, even the priests that went before the army, of the Lord, I found myself to be blowing a trumpet and beckoning all to come. At the trumpet sound, many came, even from tradition and from religion. I opened my eyes, and at my side was others with trumpets also. We grew even stronger until the arm was strong enough to reach out to the needs of the church and of the land. It reached out across the land and the sea to other land. The winds and the rains and the mighty storms could not stand against the arm. As we moved up a mighty hill, I could see behind the arm a fire was lit. 
and it burned as far as I could see. The people came and ran to the arm. Even the heathen and the government looked to the arm for direction. For the government was in much turmoil. The fire followed the arm and cast a glow about it. The fire burned until there was no more land to come. <clears throat> then the Lord called out to me, and I turned and I fell at, his, at the foot of his throne. He said unto me, This was truly my arm. I put you before it to call unto me those with the heart of Joshua and the heart of Caleb who desire to do my will and take the land by my hand. Truly, I went before you to drive out the evil one, but my work and my will you surely have done. Then the Lord stood to his feet before his throne. And I cried out to him, but Lord, it was not me. It was not I who did this work. Only by your strength did I go. It was not my lip that blew the trumpet, for surely it was yours, for I had no breath in me but yours. Then he reached out his hand and he said, well done, my good and grateful servant. Amen. You know, God wants us to be that example. Some of that's come to pass earlier in the church as a whole, but a fire has lit. It's lit here in sugar. Sure. Amen. And he wants each of us to be able to say, I'm going to read one scripture. And it's Psalm 49, verse 1, 2 and 3. Hear this, all you people. Listen, all who live in the world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The utterance from my heart will give understanding. That's what God wants you. Now here, they used to sing this as a song. God wants us to do that as an example. If you know it or not, your life is speaking to someone. This is what God wants us to speak. Through our actions, you may not ever tell someone, hey dude, listen to me. You know, maybe you won't those words. But how do you get yeah, he might. But how do you get to that place? I'm going to tell you, write this down. I'm going to tell you how you get to the place to, uh, to be able to say that. <clears throat> and that's to read and study the details of Psalms 46, 47, and 48. Amen? 
And put that to work in you. And that's the big picture. And Matthew can come up here and get back in the Word. Amen? Amen. While Matthew gets set up, can I ask you a question? Were y'all tired? Yes. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Yes. Trey, how did you get here? Who, who, who told you about this place? Brenda. Brenda. Yeah. Ray, how did you get here? Uh, Mario. Mario. Uh, Bob, how did you get here? Sharon, how did you get here? Uh, Cassidy and Jen, I called. Jacob, how'd you get here? You? Huh? Your fault. Rachel, how'd you get here? Um, he didn't know. Look around. Mm -hmm. Everybody in any real faith family got there because somebody told them about it. Because somebody reached out to them. Mm -hmm. uh, and our little faith community here, whatever you want to call us, we definitely don't just preach the milestones. That is actually a problem for attendance, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you don't want to drudge through all of those mile markers if you could just hit the scenic route, you know? <laughs> and there's plenty of people offering nothing but the icing all around us. But the reality is, that's what Charlie said, it's the Coke can. But there's nothing stirred up in it. There's no power. Friends, we want Christian lives that are going to make it. That are going to make it. The way that you build those is not from a pulpit. I mean, that, that's the misnomer. If we could preach good enough, if Matthew could play good enough, if worship was good enough, that you would make it. But that's, that's not it. It's really not. Ray, what would it make you feel like if Mario fell away? Uh, It'd be tough, wouldn't it? It really would be hard. Trey, if, if, if Brenda was out <laughs> person God, didn't want to come to church anymore at all, that could be tough to deal with, huh? What we do affects all the people around us. That's what Charlie meant by sponsor. It does. And the way that you make it through those mile markers is like an arm in arm with somebody. That's why the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one. Yeah. Yeah. And a threefold cord cannot be broken. I have lived long enough to see ministries rise from the power of the pulpit. I mean, anointed, amazing, fireball man of God. Sometimes their fire wanes. The strength of the church is in what happens in the people that they repeat and reproduce. A hundred... I've been in churches where the same sermon was preached every week. It was it was pathetic. It was beyond sad. But you know what? The church was strong. You know why? They had had years of putting into practice the good things that were taught. This will be what you make it. What Charlie said about that speck on the wall, that's the right now. Life is so much bigger than what's happening in your life this second. He's got such a bigger plan for that. What if you're the only Jesus somebody's going to meet tomorrow? Mm -hmm. John, how'd you get here? You met a dude at a gas station. I mean, that's life-changing. These are life-changing events if you let them be. They, they really are. The guy who is coming to speak someday, Mike and Jennifer met in a park. You know? You watch, he will bring an anointed word of God. You wouldn't be here if they didn't say hello in a park. 
We need to share our lives, and we need to have something in our lives worth sharing. Amen. Too long we've been working on sound bites. You know, little Christian slogans, Christian t-shirts. Substance is how you trudge through those mile markers. That's what we're trying to build. Amen? Amen. Amen. Could we worship something together? Yeah. There's, there's no quitting time. There's whenever you need to go, go. We just, we didn't get all we could get. The vision that Charlie had profoundly has affected my life. I personally believe what, what the Lord showed him then, he's trying to bring about before the close of our lives. Amen. I believe that that's happened. I was just a young man. Matthew asked me if I wanted to go cut wood at somebody's house. Who wants to go cut wood anywhere? <laughs> but I wanted to spend time with Matthew and these new spirit-filled Christians he was telling me about. And it happened to be at Charlie Brown's house. That made a difference in my life. You know, if nobody else in here, Jacob found this church because of me. Yeah? It all goes back somewhere. There's a welder that turned pastor in Louisiana that I owe a great deal of my life to because he spoke to me, he cared for me, he taught me. Who can you contribute to? And not just the good things. They need to know that you struggle. They need to know it's hard. They need to know that it's hard and you do it anyway because the Lord is worth it. They need to know that. Steph, why don't you pray for us? We'll get in.